Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. For more info on service times and locations, you can find us at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, Pastor Mike continues our series, Behold, with a message on God's invitation for us, a right given to us to come and ask for the breakthrough we seek. What does it feel like Christmas to you? You can answer me. Thanksgiving, nice, I like that. It feels like Christmas or after Thanksgiving. Does anybody have like a, you have a thing that you do and it doesn't feel like Christmas? Like, do you, you like, doesn't feel like Christmas till you go visit the snow or anything like that. For, for me, um, my wife, she didn't know this when she married me. She just kind of got dragged into it. For me, it feels like Christmas when about an hour and 45 minutes into the movie, I see John McClane leaping from the top of Nakatomi Plaza in a blaze of glory to single-handedly save Christmas in the greatest Christmas movie ever, Die Hard, right? That is when it, it feels like Christmas to me. I don't think we can ever, incl- I don't think I'd ever feel comfortable including Charlotte in this Christmas tradition. Maybe when she's an adult, unless we watch it on, on like TBS or something. Anyway, that's when it feels like Christmas to me. Uh, maybe it feels like Christmas to you when, when you read Luke 2, and you're in luck if that's the case, because we are going to be reading Luke 2 today. We're in the second week of our uh, series called Behold, the Savior Comes, and um, we're going to talk about expe- unexpected breakthrough this morning. Let's read it. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Okay, let's stop there for a second. So Caesar Augustus, um, he... He came up with that name, right? There were three, the, the, the Roman kingdom was split. If We'll go to history class. If you're a history teacher and I get this wrong, please come tell me later. Um, the Roman kingdom was split into three uh, territories. And uh, Caesar Augustus, I forget, I think his name was Hector or something like that. Um, he was one of the rulers. And then he unified everything. And he brought about Roman peace, Pax Romana. He brought about peace. But it wasn't really real peace. It was, it was peace that... Uh, was forced. He was very. He was a very violent man. Uh, if somebody came against him, he would just kill them, right? And so he wants to be called Caesar Augustus. He was also referred to as the savior of the world. He was also referred to as the prince of peace by Romans, which is kind of funny that he's the guy, like the fake savior of the world, the fake prince of peace when Jesus is born. And he's doing a census because he wants more money. He's trying to make sure that they're taxing everybody and taxing the right amount of people. So he's making everybody go register so he can make more money. So that's what's going on. Verse 3. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. Remember, Jesus was born in the living room with all of his family there. We talked about that last week. Um, If you don't like that, email me. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy 
for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus, help us today. Amen. So last week we talked about the prophecy of Jesus being born and more specifically how it was a future that we were to, that they were anticipating. They were anticipating the promise of a savior. And now we see in Luke 2 this prophecy is coming to pass. Um, and Matthew actually makes a point to connect this birth of Jesus to the prophecy in Isaiah. And he says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, so the whole point, I think, of this morning, and I think of this scripture, is to help us to see the joy that comes with knowing Christ, right? So the Advent season invites us to, to rediscover the joy of knowing Christ. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I, was, I was really joyful and happy and in a good place when I accepted Jesus, but it didn't last. Like it it kind of went down, and I had to get to a place where I had to rediscover that joy, to rediscover the joy of what it meant to know Jesus and to, to put my trust in him, to hope in him, to believe and have faith that he is for me and he's not against me. So that's what I want us to see this morning is to, to be able to rediscover the joy of knowing Christ. Um, does, anybody, does anybody at, at your family Christmas gatherings, you read Luke 2? Anyone? Oh, okay. No, that's fine. Maybe we need to reevaluate what we do. Because honestly, I'm like, every Christmas morning, I know we're going to read Luke 2. Right? And I'm like, God, I just preached about this like a couple weeks ago. I just listened to the podcast. Every, every Christmas, I know we're going to read it, right? We come to church during the Advent season around Christmas time, and it becomes commonplace. We know at some point somebody's going to read Luke 2. We, we expect it. We know it. We listen to it. But sometimes, for me, it just it had gone out in one ear and out the other because I'm like, why are we reading this again? All right, especially if you've grown up in church. This is like the two dozenth time you've heard this passage of Scripture read from the pulpit. Right, it's Christmas time, we read the story, but what does the story do to you? Um, I, I, I've preached on this passage of Scripture every year for the last 14 years, either in here or in the youth service, right? But I, I like doing it because every year I, try, I ask the Holy Spirit, can you just show me something that I haven't seen before? Like, I, I know there's no new revelation, but just illuminate something to me that I haven't seen in, in, in the past when I've read this, right? Just help me to see something new. And this year, uh, for me, it was just joy. Everything that I'm reading, I'm just trying to, to think of it from a point of joy, right? Joy is, is a choice. Right? Happiness is connected with uh, an, an, an emotion. It's connected with a thing that happens. But you can choose to have joy regardless of what's going on in the world around you, regardless of the circumstances. You can choose to be joyful. So I've just been looking at all of these Christmas passages from uh, a point of joy, right? It's the joy we find in unexpected breakthrough, in unexpected things that God brings to our lives. Right? This, this moment, this moment when Jesus was born, this moment when the Savior was coming, it was the most anticipated moment in human history. Like, I'm, I remember some of my friends. I remember when, do you guys, do you guys see the, uh, what was the name of it? The, the, the Star Wars movie where uh, Han Solo and Chewie came back. 
They came back into the franchise. You guys see that one? I remember seeing the trailer in uh, the movie theater, and it was the first time that it had been shown in this movie theater. And when Han Solo came on the screen, people stood up and, like, jumped and cheered, and they were so excited for Harrison Ford, like, coming into a movie. I'm like, you guys are nerds. But it's okay. Um... They were anticipating this, right? But it, 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 it pales in comparison to this. This was the most anticipated moment in human history. The, the, the Savior is coming. Jesus is coming. God's going to be with his people. This is big stuff. But it unfolds in an unusual way, right? The press wasn't camped outside of the hospital. It just kind of happens. You know, like when there's a royal birth and uh, it's like, 12 hours after the baby's born, the mom's got to be, like the princess, got to be outside all done up, like holding a baby. Like, what? That's crazy. People camped outside. What's the baby's name? How big was the baby? None of this happened. It's just, here's a baby. When Jesus was born, uh, pretty much Mary and Joseph are the only people expecting it. I guess maybe Elizabeth and and, and her family were expecting it too. But but what I want us to see is that uh, God shows up. He, He comes at unexpected times. Nobody is, is sitting around on this night going, oh man, the, the Messiah is going to be here any minute now. Like, uh, just, just, just wait, keep your eyes on the sky like he's coming. Nobody is anticipating this, right? There's this, this misconception that everybody knew that Jesus was coming at exactly the time that he came. But we, we kind of read that into the scripture in 2019 because that's not the truth. We actually have more information in our Bibles about the return of Jesus than we have about his coming when he was born, right? But most of us don't live in expectation of his return, right? If we read the scriptures, we can think, Jesus is coming back any time now. But we don't really live in expectation of that. And the people, uh, the day Jesus was born, they weren't like uh, living in expectation, because when it comes to the birth of Jesus, we pretty much know that he would be born from a virgin mother in Bethlehem. And that's pretty much about it, right? The world was uh, in a period of complete silence for 400 years, right? So if you go uh, to, to Malachi, and then you read Malachi 5, and then before you get to Matthew, there's like one blank page, right, in your Bible. That blank page represents 400 years of silence in the intertestamental period. And before the Old Testament ends in Malachi, God kind of, uh, um, Malachi 4, uh, he ends it with like the greatest mic drop moment in history. He says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Boom, drops the mic, doesn't say another word for 400 years, then Jesus comes. So when the shepherds are sitting here and the, the sky kind of just explodes with light and the glory of the Lord and heavenly hosts, uh, John, when he writes Revelation, when he talks about the amount of angels, he's like hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands, like tens of thousands of angels just, you could see, filling the sky, singing. Like nobody expected that. It just happens. The shepherds were just chilling. So God's timing from a human standpoint was, was unexpected, but from his standpoint, it was perfect timing. And I love the fact Mary and Joseph didn't live in Bethlehem. They lived 80 miles away. And so they had to travel to Bethlehem 
to be to take part in this census. Joseph Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. Mary didn't. She could have stayed with her pregnant self where they lived, Nazareth. But she went with him. Why did she go with him? Why did Caesar do this, right? We look at these circumstances, and, and everybody could look and say, hey, they think that Caesar Augustus is in control, but God is pulling the strings in all this because the Savior needed to be born in Bethlehem. So what good timing that they had to travel to Bethlehem for a census so that Jesus could be born there, right? But we see God is accomplishing his will through the normal mundane actions of people. Right? We, we think sometimes that we have to do this huge, big, ginormous thing for God. But sometimes it's just the small, little obedience. A few weeks ago I talked about how uh, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Right? It's not about these huge moments. It's just about every step that you're making being faithful to what God is calling, and he's calling you to do. And he will work his plans out through those steps of faith that you make. You with me? Ten of you. Fantastic. All right. Um, we want breakthrough, right? We want breakthrough now. We want, we, we, we're struggling in this moment. We, we don't like what's going on and we want it to change. God, we want breakthrough now. But think back to the day that you, uh, think back to the day that you accepted Jesus as your savior, right? Think back to that day. Were you expecting that to happen that day? Like, did you wake up that morning, you got out of bed, you were brushing your teeth and you're like, just looking at yourself, you're like, man. I am a dirty sinner, and I need the blood of Jesus to wash me clean today. I'm going to go find a church. No. The day you accepted Jesus, it kind of just happened, right? We know, I believe that God was, was working in your past and had been working throughout your life to get you to that point, but you weren't expecting it. You weren't expecting to meet God that day, but it still happened, right? God had been preparing you, and then breakthrough came in your life. Many of the times that God has shown up in my life were unexpected times, right? Having random conversations with people, um, laying in bed at night, going through my normal daily routine, and God shows up, God speaks to me, something happens, there's breakthrough. So you don't know when God is going to show up, but you don't know when God's going to show up, right? So you could look at it one of two ways. You could, I don't know when God's going to show up, so I'm just going to sulk and be upset, but God could come any moment. It's unexpected, right? But we should still live in anticipation of that breakthrough that we need in our lives, believing that God can and will do it when he wants to, when it's the best time for him to receive glory. It should bring joy and not despair because at the end of the day, God shows up. Look at somebody tell him, God shows up. Yeah, God shows up. I can confidently tell you that breakthrough is coming. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, but I know it's coming because we serve the Lord of the breakthrough. So when David went to Baal from 2 Samuel, when David went to Baal, Perizim, and there he defeated the Philistines, he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies like a flood. And so that place is called Baal, Perizim. What does that mean? It means Lord of the breakthrough, right? That's one of the names of God too. That's what the Israelites called him, Lord of the breakthrough. We need to remember that breakthrough often happens at an unexpected time, but it does happen. Second thing I want us to see is that it's not just, whoops, unexpected times, but unexpected places. Anybody know that sign? We'll get to that in a second. I'll just leave it there for a second. So Bethlehem was the prophesied birthplace of Jesus, right? When we look at that, 
And we read the scriptures and we're like, of course it's Bethlehem. That's what we know. That's what we see in church. That's what we've heard through our lives. Uh, we sing the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, right? Like we know, duh. But for the people here, it's, it's like Bethlehem? Like why, why would anything important happen in Bethlehem? Right? David and Boaz live there, but it's this little place. Right? And Micah records the prophecy that the, the Savior will be born in Bethlehem, but there's, there, there's, there's more to it. it. It talks about a remnant of Israel and a blessing of the nations, and, and we kind of see all this come together post-ascension, after Jesus goes back to heaven at the day of Pentecost. You see the whole prophecy start to come together, and then everybody goes, oh yeah, Bethlehem. So for 33 years, they never really connect the dot between Jesus being born in Bethlehem and why that's important. So Bethlehem is this little village. It doesn't really get much attention, right? It's somewhere that you stop on your way to someplace more important if you have to use the bathroom. Like, you don't go there unless you have a, a very purposeful reason for going there. Um, so if you've driven to Vegas from L.A., you've seen this. How do you say that? don't know has anybody ever taken that exit why seen too many movies so we'll settle the debate has anybody ever argued with the people in your car about how to pronounce that no just me i'm an angry person apparently it's zizix zizix is how you pronounce that zizix so um, if you drive, if you, I've, I've, I looked it up. I've never driven down there either. Uh, but if you take that exit and you drive several miles, you will find an abandoned resort. And in the 1960s, some crack, cracked out medical guru guy that didn't have a license for anything. He was like a, like a, um, one of those traveling guys that sold like snake oils and stuff like that, you know? And so he, he convinces this lady that's in love with him to buy this land of property, to buy this property. And it's, 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 a, it's like a pool. There's a pool there. There's like a, a natural, like a little lake or something. But he says it's a natural hot springs. It wasn't a hot springs. He put minerals in it and heated up the water so that people would think that that's what it was. And then he sold his, his healing potions, his healing juices, and it was a secret recipe. It was just carrot and celery oil. And juices, and he just was like, this will cure, cure whatever ails you, right? But people, like, tons, thousands of people would go because they believed that there was, like, some magical healing properties. But now there's nothing there. You can go, and uh, I saw the pictures. Some of them look kind of creepy. There's, like, a, just, like, a random swing set in the middle of the street. Like, it's weird. Anyway, um, Zizix, how you pronounce it. Uh, you, you wouldn't think that anything significant or life-changing would happen there, even though it's got kind of a cool history. Same with Bethlehem. They, even though Bethlehem has a rich history, uh, nobody really thought that anything specific or special was going to happen at Bethlehem during that time. So you have this breakthrough happening at this place that people didn't expect it to happen, right? Just like God shows up at unexpected times, he often shows up at unexpected places. I have this friend, um, he went to see... Uh, he, he was kind of like, I don't like the term, but we use the term backsliding, right? He really wasn't following God. He was just kind of doing his own thing. He kind of lost his way. And some of my friends convinced him to go watch The Passion of the Christ. Uh, did anybody see that movie in theaters? Man, jeez. Um, 
So they convinced him to go see that movie and like, like bothered him until finally he said yes. And so he, went to, he goes to see the movie. And by the end of the movie, like he was just expecting, let me just do this and get out of here. I'll eat some popcorn, whatever. By the end of it, he's like on his knees worshiping Jesus, like crying and asking for forgiveness. And he had breakthrough in the movie theater, right? People wouldn't expect that you're going to have breakthrough. God's going to break through into your life at the end of a movie, right? But this is where it happens for him. Uh, breakthrough happened for me when I was 20. I was sitting in a, in a young adult service. I got like radically saved, but then it was, I, I like had a really weird moment in Christianity for me. Like I got rid of all my clothes and all of my t-shirts were like a blood donor saved my life or, you know, the, just all Jesus shirts. I wore this really ginormous wooden cross around my neck. I had long hair. I looked like a hippie guys. I bought like the biggest Bible I could find. And then I bought like this camouflage case for it. I'm like walking, I was so, I was so, such a Christian nerd. I'm like walking to church with my camouflage case and my weird long hair flowing in the wind and my cheesy Christian t-shirt and big old giant cross necklace. But it was all like Jesus talks to the Pharisees and says they're whitewashed tombs. And it was kind of a facade because yeah, I'd given my life to Jesus, but I really wasn't living differently. And so my life was kind of in shambles, but I'm in church, and I'm worshiping, and I'm like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. People are like, how you doing, Mike? I'm like, I'm blessed. How are you? But I'm really not, right? But I knew how to fake it. I knew how to fake it so that people would leave me alone. But I just, I have this moment at the end of this service, and God just, just wrecked me in that moment. And I'm like on the floor crying. And after cleaning our carpets, I'm like, these carpets haven't been cleaned for five years. How long? I'm like crying on this carpet. Like my mouth is touching the carpet. It's gross. But it's not like, it's not like the, 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 you know how sometimes you just have a tear come down? It's like that you can't catch your breath. There's snot. and It was nasty. But God met me in that moment and changed my life. And that was the moment that I knew that God was calling me to, to be in pastoral ministry. But even though I was in church, I wasn't expecting that God was going to do anything for me at that time. It was an unexpected time, and it was an unexpected place for me. And it was a place of, of deep shame and embarrassment in my life. Right? But that's the awesome thing about God's breakthrough is oftentimes it happens in the areas where we feel the most shame, where we feel the most guilt, where we feel condemnation. The area of your life where, where you're most ashamed is the area where God wants to bring breakthrough, where he wants to bring freedom, where he wants to bring restoration. Maybe you've struggled with an addiction for years and you can't beat it, right? Whatever it is, breakthrough happens. It tends to happen in areas where we least expect it to happen. And a lot of times it happens by opening your life up to other people, by getting involved in community, by becoming a part and belonging to something that's larger than yourself, by, by, by not just coming to church, just to come to church. I actually forgot I have a picture of this. Band in Hot Springs. Anyway. Be open and honest about your life, about those you trust. Right? You'll find out that just because people say they're Christian doesn't mean they don't have problems. Like, did you get that? You, you might be here this morning and you're thinking, man, I wish I was more like that person. I wish I was more like this person. And you probably don't know what they struggle with. Right? Because we're all just trying to hold it together so that everybody thinks that we're okay. It doesn't work like that. 
People are messy. This leads us to our last point, and maybe I got the points in here somewhere. There it is. Unexpected times, unexpected places, and God's breakthrough comes to unexpected people. So in Luke, we've got the most epic birth announcement ever. Am I the only person who has stressed out about how to announce that my wife was pregnant, like a birth announcement? I was so stressed out about that, right? Because social media, you see what people do, and we have some friends that are like musicians, and they like wrote a song. Like they wrote a song. I'm like, I can't do that. So like it took us a couple hours. Like, what? let's find the best picture. Let's find what do we do? How do, what do we say? What words do we use? Who do we tell first? And it's like, it's crazy. But here we have the most epic birth announcement ever. Like angels and singing and the glory of God. Like it's, it's crazy. And who's the first people that know? The shepherds. The shepherds are the first people that are told. Right? Now, um, my daughter has a, she has, she has books, right? She has Christian books. And the shepherds that are in those books, they're like sparkling white robes and a really nice stick and their hair is groomed and they're all smiling, right? That's not the kind of shepherds that the angel was talking to on this night. Like they were dirty. They were nasty. They were thieves, right? People didn't like shepherds. They were unreliable. They had a bad reputation. People didn't want them around. They were untrustworthy, they would let the sheep graze on other people's lands. They would steal things. Their, their testimony was not acceptable in court. Not the people you would think that would be the first people to hear about the birth of the Savior of the world. I would think it would be like, who's the most important person? Caesar Augustus. Let's tell him. No, shepherds. And the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. But when you think about it, Telling the shepherds first really makes the most sense, doesn't it? Because they're the people who need the joy. They're the outcasts. They're the ones who are on the outside looking in. They're the ones that nobody wants to talk to, that nobody wants to be around, that have it bad in society. So the first ones that hear about the joy of the Savior being born are the ones that really need it the most. Has anybody, um, has anybody, received, has anybody sent out Christmas cards yet? I mean, I haven't got any, so if you did, we took pictures. I mean, we took them, with, we took them by ourselves because, I don't know, we took them by ourselves. I don't like taking pictures, but we took our own pictures for our Christmas card. My wife made this layout, and it's like five, five or six different pictures. And I got to send mine out before everybody else does. Like, I'll, I'll give mine before other people give me theirs because I'll look at it, and I'll be like, oh, wow, look at that family. My last year... Uh, I got a Christmas card from somebody, and it was like the last possible day you could give one. Oh, sorry, we forgot. We just threw these Christmas cards together at the last minute. They were phenomenal. And I'm like, wow, who took these pictures for you? And he's like, oh, I took it myself. I just set it on a timer, and we just took the pictures. I'm like, I hate you. You know how many pictures it took for us to get five that we wanted? 181. I counted 181 pictures to find five that I'm okay with letting other people see. And I didn't pick the picture that was the truest representation of what might be happening in our life at that moment. Trying to get our daughter to sit still, and she will not. At one point, she's screaming at us and yelling. And so I'm like, what do we do to get her to stay still? Don't you judge me. We gave her chocolate. 
little, Charlotte, you want some chocolate? Yeah, sit down in the chair, smile, take a picture. And then chocolate, 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 chocolate. <laughs> At some point, she probably just knew and she was just playing the system. Then she got crazy, guys. She started licking things. She's like licking the floor and like trying to lick our face. I'm like, you cannot have sugar anymore. But I'm not going to show you. You're not going to see any of those pictures. You're not going to see the pictures where I'm frustrated, where my wife's upset, where the Christmas ornaments are all falling off the tree. Even though that's probably the truest representation of that day, I'm not going to show you that. Because I don't want you to see that. I want you to look at it and go, wow, the Jonitises, they're, they're so put together and everything is great. But Christmas cards stress me out. Now, I'm not saying, like, take a bad Christmas card and send it out. Like, well, you don't have to do that. But it's a good reminder that life is not always as it seems on paper. Right? The 5 by 7 with glossy printed Christmas card is not always what it looks like, really. We need to understand that, that people are messy. The people of God are messy. We don't have it all together. I'm messier than I would like to be. I've got more things going on than I would like for them to be going on, right? Things are messy. Sanctification happens over a lifetime, not in a moment, a lifetime. It's a long obedience in the same direction, right? We need to be secure in God's process of sanctification in our lives and the lives of others. That means being gracious to ourselves. That means being gracious to others. Right? You don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to have everything figured out all the time. Right? Joy is found in the fact that breakthrough happens in an unexpected group of people. Us. Right? When you gave your life to Jesus, there was probably somebody in your life that didn't expect that to happen. Right? You are an unexpected recipient of God's grace. We should find joy in that. Right? We're probably good at receiving grace from Jesus. Right? Yes, Jesus, I need your grace. Sometimes, sometimes we demand grace from other people. Right? Where's the grace for what I did? You show me grace. Even though we might not always be willing to show it in reciprocation as freely. But what about when it comes to yourself? Do you show grace to yourself? Do you let yourself off the hook? Or do you beat yourself up? I should do more. I should be farther along in my career. I'm weak. I shouldn't struggle with this. Says who? Says the people you follow on Instagram that you think have it all put together? Says the people on the, on the Christmas cards that you're getting? Says your favorite motivational speaker? Who, who says that you have to be perfect, that you have to have it all figured out? Because what is the purpose of sending Jesus? God's like, look, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to have everything perfected in life. So I'm going to take care of it for you. I'm going to send my son. He's going to take care of it. He's going to die the death that you can't. He's going to pay the price that you can't pay so that you don't have to be perfect, so that you can live in my grace. So in that, you've got to be gracious to yourself, right? Because that kind of thinking that you're not good enough, it just leads you down a path of self-condemnation. Right? You've got to stop letting Satan beat you up in the dark. We hide and we feel shame and we feel guilt and we don't want to come into the light and be cleansed by God. So we hide in the dark and we just let Satan beat us up. Drag his, his scrawny behind with you. Come into the light and, and be free from that. Experience grace. Experience breakthrough. 
Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's unexpected time, unexpected place, unexpected people, but it's something that Christ died for, for you to have that right for breakthrough in your life. The light of God's glory, his grace, his mercy, his truth, his righteousness, it overcomes the darkness where we hide. It lets us walk in joy and not condemnation. And you might be thinking, sitting and thinking, that's great, Mike, but, but, but breakthrough can't happen in my life like that. God's not going to do that for me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my family. You don't know the kind of uh, nonsense I have to sit through on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, Jesus is not going to come and bring breakthrough in Uncle Steve's house this year when we're all there for Christmas dinner. Not in my marriage. It's too far gone. Not my job. I'm stuck. Breakthrough can't happen for me. You know who's not surprised by that kind of thinking, though? That this can't happen for me. This can't happen in my life. This can't happen in my place. You know who's not surprised? The God who showed up in a little village that nobody paid attention to at a time that nobody was expecting to talk to a bunch of people that nobody liked. Throughout the course of human history, God has been getting into the mess of people that we would look at and think they don't deserve it. Maybe you don't deserve it, but it's not our call to make. God says, I love you. I made you. I care for you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I want to do this in your life. You deserve it. I want to show you grace. I want to show you love. I want to break in. I want to come into your life and into your messiness and fix it. I want you to see that you're not so far gone that my grace and mercy can't reach out and grab a hold and change your situation. You've got to believe it. He shows up at unexpected times in unexpected places to unexpected people. Worship team, you guys can come up here. Pete, you could, you could lower the lights too a little bit. Like, do you believe that? Do you believe God can come in and, and, and make something different out of your situation? Would you do me a favor and uh, just close your eyes, bow your heads for a second. Uh, I just want to give you a space to think for a moment. Um, there's always a few people. Ooh, that was not that was not planned. You can close your eyes again, and hopefully that doesn't happen. I wasn't trying to scare you. You can awkwardly stare at me if you'd like to. That's okay. I can I can take it. Um, but if you think about it, how many of you would say that like the bondage of sin has been broken in your life and you're doing the best you can, you're doing the best you know how, you're, you're trying to be the best. You're trying to be the best friend, the best parent, the best spouse, the best employee trying to be the best that you can, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're in church, you're doing everything that you know how to do, but you still find yourself struggling with things, and you need the Spirit of God to break through in your life, and, and if that's you if, you, need, if you need breakthrough in some area of your life, would you just raise your hand? Just, if you say, Pastor Mike, I need some breakthrough, raise it high so I can see. Raise your hand, say, I need breakthrough in my life, Pastor Mike, in some area, in some area of my life. Okay, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Now open your eyes and look around the room. Look. Look. 
You're not by yourself. We, we so often, you can put your hands down, so often we think we're the only person struggling with something in the room, and it's not the case. There are people here who have the same things that are going on in their lives. You're not alone. And what if being a Christian... What if, it, what if it meant that we weren't alone in all of this? What if it means that there are people who struggle just like we do? What if it means that the person I think has it all held together is struggling and they need the grace of God just as much as I do? Isn't that the message of the Christmas story? God, God with us, not God with him, God with her. Can we just, just mute all of the microphones except mine? and be secure that God has everything in control. But at the same time, we need to cry out to him and ask for breakthrough. And this is what it means. God, I'm trusting that you have my future in control. I'm trusting that you know what's gonna happen. Lord, but I need breakthrough in my life today. more, we should celebrate more, we should rest more, we should stop comparing ourselves to others who we think have it all together. I can look at somebody and be like, man, they're such a good parent. Look at how they parent their kids. I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as them. What if neither of us are good parents <laughs> by whatever standards, but God's going to bless us anyway because he's good. struggling and all in need of the same grace and God's going to show it to everybody not based on how long you've been a Christian but based on your standing before him as his child trust the process but pray for breakthrough you probably didn't think that this was going to happen this morning unexpected time, unexpected place for unexpected people for you, and I want to pray for a breakthrough. I'm going to ask you to do something else. Uh, I'm going to ask you to, to, to just cup your hands and put them in front of you. If you're, if you're one of those people that say, I need breakthrough in my life, I'm just going to ask you to cup your hands and put them in front of you like this, and we're going to pray. I don't know what God's going to do, but we're going to ask. I don't know how he's going to do it, but we're going to ask him. And we're going to believe that God is going to bring breakthrough in your life. Yeah? So I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe for you. I want you to believe with me as well that God is going to do something. So, Father, we just come before you right now, and we pray for breakthrough, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do what only you can do. And I don't know what's going on uh, with these people right now and what's what they're hoping that you would give them, what they need in their lives, God. But I pray that you would do it, that you would fill it, Lord, that you are the Lord of the breakthrough, God. And if they need mercy, show them mercy. If they need grace, show them grace. If they need forgiveness, if they need love, God, if they need whatever it is, Father, breakthrough in Jesus' name. Whatever it is, God, that you would do it because you love us, because your grace is enough, because your mercies are new every morning. God, I believe it. 
God, I believe that you can do it. Would you show us your goodness? Would you show us your greatness? God, would you show us your love and your mercy? going to be, uh, you're going to be tested. Right? It's going to be easy for you to forget what we talked about. It's so easy for us, like the crazy noise, to get distracted and to, to move away from the moment that God wants us to be in. But I want to encourage you to pray, right? And here's the, the greatest thing about it is you don't need me. You don't need any pastor. You can go to God when you want. When you need breakthrough, you can go to him and say, Lord, this is what I need in my life. Would you do it? So I want to encourage you through the rest of this Advent season and for the rest of your life to go to him. Right? Scripture tells us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace in our moment of need. So boldly approach the throne of grace. you to remember that for God's people, breakthrough is not just possible, it's probable. Ask for it, seek it, seek Him, wait for it, receive it, and rejoice in it. Would you stand with me?